Good morning, everybody. Oh, just to caution us, you need to work a little bit to understand my accent and my pronunciation because I'm from Ghana. I'm not English, I'm Ghanaian. <laughs> Thank you. There's going to be some slides coming up. I'm, well, my back is towards it, so I don't know if I can see what's going on. So I'm from Ghana, and you can see the flag there, red, gold, green. And Ghana is an African country. It's in West Africa, the western part of Africa. And it's bordered by three French-speaking countries. Burkina Faso to the top, Ivory Coast to the left, Benin and Togo and Benin to the right. And the bottom of it, we have the Atlantic Ocean. And so, although we were colonized by the British, we have to change the way we drive our cars to suit the countries surrounding us. So we don't do left-hand drive, we do right-hand drive. So if you ask me to drive you here, you'll be in trouble. <laughs> well, I, I'm in Ho in Ghana, and Ghana has 10 regions, and Ho, uh, Volta region is one of them, and Ho is the capital of the Volta region. So that's the water region. Now, I'm married. <laughs> My wife is called Mabel, and we have, at the moment, we have two children, and the third one is on the way. The eldest is John, John is nine, and Kezia is six. The new one will be due in November. Last month, Jeremy was in Ghana with Anne, and the church I lead, City of Grace Church, and 14 other churches in Ghana, we were accepted into Christ Central Sphere. So that's another picture of Jeremy and myself. Okay. I lead City of Grace Church. Until last month, it was just Geoffrey and myself leading the church, but now we have another elder. And so there's three of us, and my wife Mabel and Geoffrey's wife is also called Mabel. It's not a case that if you become an elder and your, your wife has to change her name. <laughs> because the third elder's wife is not called Mabel. All right, so the City of Grace Church. Next one. That's how our church building looks like at the moment. It's a two-story building, but we've done the first story. And God willing, we'll continue building. This morning, so I have what I just said and what we've been doing in Ghana on this book. It's at the back of the building, on the table there. Please, when we finish church, you can pick one and read about Ghana and Christ Central work in West Africa. This morning, I'd like to speak to us on the challenge of faith. You realize I didn't say I'd like to speak to you. I'd like to speak to us. I'm involved. So I'll be reading to us from Mark chapter 6, from verse 30 to 44. I'm now over 40 years, so I have to use the glasses to read. I'll read a very popular story to us. 
So the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and thought. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it is already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves, themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. It's a very popular story. I'm sure all of you know this story or have heard it told many, many times. But what I want to focus on and on this, on, in this story is how Jesus solved a problem, a problem that can hit all of us in our lives at different times and in different situations. Now, looking at the passage, there were four problems that arose when Jesus was with the crowd and his disciples. The first one was that there was a crowd to be fed. And they were in a remote place. It was very late to find food. The disciples did not have enough money to buy food for the crowd. And so as far as the disciples were concerned, they just said to Jesus, please dismiss the crowd and let them go and find food. But then Jesus said to them, you feed them. It was a challenge that Jesus brought to their faith. There are times where we have to do things and we don't know how to do them. But what I want you to see in this passage about something that somebody said is that Christianity is a spiritual thing. You can't just reason out Christianity. It's good to think it's good to plan. It's good to do things. But please always remember that Christianity is a spiritual thing and not a logical religion where you reason out things. As far as the disciples were concerned, that is not a problem that can be solved. But Jesus had to teach them something. So Jesus said, you feed them. The response of the disciples was that it is impossible. Honestly, as far as they were concerned, it was impossible. We need to understand 
when you talk about reasoning, that Christianity, I said to somebody, is beyond reason. I mean, reason is God's creation. And you cannot use God's creation to explain God. You can't use reasoning to explain God. If you talk about philosophy, it's an attempt. That's what the philosophy professors will tell you. It's an attempt to explain nature in terms of rational principle. It has started as an attempt, and it's still an attempt. They haven't gotten an answer. So you've come to a God who is spiritual, and we must relate to God spiritually. Amen. Please, if I say amen, you say amen back, then you are with me. <laughs> so the response of the disciples, it is impossible. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Okay, so we heard what the disciples were thinking and we heard what Jesus did. What was Jesus' response? He said, he put the people into groups. He did not deny that there was a problem but he has to do something about it. So reason came in, he thought about it, it was a plan, put the people in hundreds and fifties, let them sit down, but that's where reasoning ends. Then he takes the five loaves and two fish that were available. He prayed over it, and he gave it to the people to eat. Now, when Jesus did this, a miracle happened. All had enough to eat. So Jesus went beyond reason and solved the problem. Many times we have to go beyond reason to solve a problem and we can't explain how it happened. A miracle is a supernatural intervention of God that transcends all human reasoning. I think all of us will need a miracle one time in our life or some of us will need it every day in our lives. And the question I ask is, what was Jesus teaching the disciples, the crowd, and us reading this story today? We've read this story many, many times. I'm not sure you've looked at it the way I'm looking at it now. What is he trying to teach us? Well, I came up with four things. You probably can read it and come up with more than four. He's teaching his disciples, the crowd, and us this morning that he is the Lord over all creation. And in his hands, all things are possible. We should live our lives depending on him. He's not saying we should minimize the use of reason or we should just not reason, but we should know that whatever we think, our lives depend on him. And in all things, we should give thanks to God. Now that, all that was introduction, so let me start preaching. Sorry. <laughs> if all that I said, you agree with me that Jesus is Lord of our creation, in his hands all things are possible, we should live our lives depending on him, in all things we should give thanks to God. Question is, Jesus is not here with us. So how do we put things in his hands? I mean, to say, the people will say to you, oh, put it at the feet of Jesus. Just, just leave it for God to do something about it. How do you do that? Just how? And that's what I want to preach about this morning. So if you've not been listening, please wake up and now start listening. Tell the person there to you, listen to him. Oh, you didn't do it, please do it. 
Now, you can engage with Jesus, who is God, through three ways that I will explain to us. Through his word, through prayer, and through worship. That is how you can engage with Jesus or put things in his hand. So I'll now start. How do you put things in the hands of Jesus through his word that he has given us? You can either act on his word, do whatever the word tells you to do, or just believe what the word tells you. It says to us in 2 Peter 1.4, Through this he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desire. He has given us his word. And through his word, you can engage with him. He who is spirit. And he says in John chapter 6, from verse 63 to 64, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Jesus is spirit. His word is spirit. If you want to engage with him, act on his word. And you are engaging with Jesus spiritually. Now, for the logicians, does that make sense? It does. Amen. I told you I'm African, so if I say amen, say amen, please. Then I know you are with me. Although I know you are with me. <laughs> it says in Luke chapter 8, verse 15, and the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. They cling to it. That word, his word is spirit. So whatever the word says to you, hold on to it. I mean, your eyes will be seeing something different, your mind will be thinking something different, your ears will be hearing something different, but hold on to what God's word has said. That is true. And it will change your situation. So people will be saying different things to you. The doctors will be telling you different things. I mean, they are just telling you what they are saying. But what is God's word saying? And he said, hold on to it. That is when you will see something change. So if you want to change your situation, if you want to change a particular situation, either with you or somewhere, and you want to put that situation into the hands of Jesus, like Apostle Peter says to us, look into God's word for God's Bible for a word or a promise concerning your situation or a situation. Hold on to that word, meditate upon it, continue to act on it. Then you have now put the problem at the feet of Jesus. So if it's healing, it says, by his wounds you are healed. Hold on to it. Keep saying it. You have headache, you've taken paracetamol, you're still there, but keep saying it. By his wounds I am healed. In the name of Jesus, I command this headache to go. You say it and the headache is still there. Keep saying it. At the right time, the headache will leave. So I'll just tell you some of the promises you can hold on to. I mean, just look into God's word. You'll find a lot of promises there. Choose one that relates to your situation and hold on to it. If it tells you to do something, do it. If it doesn't tell you to do anything, just believe it. Romans 8:11 says to us, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, normally I personalize it and I say, in me, 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, I take this promise and I say, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to my mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in me. I believe this is not just talking about when the resurrection, but even now, the Holy Spirit living in me will give health to my body. So if I'm not well, I say it. I just declare this into my situation. I keep saying it because I believe that God's word is spirit and I believe that it will change my situation. Or I say by his wounds, I am healed. See, I just personalize God's word. He said, by his wounds, you have been healed. I say, by his wounds, I am healed. I shall not die, but live and declare the words of the Lord. I'm not trying to suggest that these things are easy. More recently, I had a, a, a heart condition diagnosed back in Ghana. And when I heard the report, it was like I've come face to face with what I've been preaching. People want to die, and I said to them, Oh, just declare, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of God. Now the doctor said, I'm going to die. I come home and I've forgotten this scripture. I've been telling people. But now that they said I'm going to die, I have forgotten about it. So I'm not saying to us that what I'm saying is easy, but it is true. It took me a long time to remember again what I've been preaching, that this thing is in the Bible. Then I started declaring it into my own life. I will not die. I will live and I will declare the righteousness of God. Well, eventually, when I got here, I had the same test again. The diagnosis this time is different. Amen. Either they made a mistake in Ghana, or God changed it. One of them, or both of them, are true. <laughs> Amen. I believe God's word. Another word you can say is, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, verse 6. And I, I heard a man comment on this. He says, when you wake up in the morning, walk up, take a walk around your house, and as you're walking, be saying, I can see goodness and mercy following me. I can see goodness and mercy following me. So even when you hear bad news, don't accept it. Well, that bad news is true, but what is also true is that goodness and mercy can follow you. So, you hear bad news, they said, okay, but I can see goodness and mercy following me. You're declaring God's word into your life, and God's word is spirit. It will change the situation if you believe it. Keep saying it until you see the situation change. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 19-20. Paul said that to people who gave him money. That my God will supply on it. This is God's word. That is what God can do. And I believe it. So I declare it into my life. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 16, 18. I want to see my church grow. I want to see Jubilee Church grow, become a church of 3,000 or 4,000 or 5,000. But there are lots of challenges. But what is true 
is that Jesus said he will build his church. So when we go to church, we have these faith declarations that we do. And one of the things we say is that Jesus will build city of grace church and the gates of Hades shall not overcome it. The troubles will come. I mean, the Bible says that they will come. But he has promised us that he will build his church so those troubles will not overcome, overwhelm the church. So when I go to church, so this trouble and that trouble, I said, okay, but they will go after a while because Jesus has said he will build his church. So you want to pray for Jubilee Church, you don't know what to pray for, just say, Jesus will build Jubilee, of, Jubilee Church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So no matter what happens, this church will keep growing and keep growing and keep growing. Maybe there will be times you think, oh, the church is going down. Well, that's what you can see. But what Jesus has said is that he will build the church. So keep declaring it until you see the church start growing. Are you still with me? Okay. Ah, English people, they won't say yes. Ah, you with me? Yes, you are with me. Then I know you are with me. It said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Well, you realize that I'm even personalizing the thing because I always keep saying them to myself. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, I condemn in Jesus' name. It's my prayer. Let me give you one more, and then I'll continue. Say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God said to Moses, tell Aaron and the Levites, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. When you say this thing, you have put my name on them and I will bless them. Full stop. So if you ask me to pray for you, I will recite this thing over you, believing that I'm putting God's word, God's name over you, and God will bless you. So you can say it, personalize it. The Lord bless me and keep me. The Lord make his face shine upon me and be gracious to me. The Lord turn his face towards me and give me peace. I have put God's name on myself, and the only thing God will do is bless me. So when my children are going to school, I'm going to drop them off at school. When we get to school, I said, put your palms in my palm. Then I recite it over them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Then I leave them to go to school. I mean, there are lots of children coming. I don't know where they are coming from. Different spirits. But I have put God's name on my children and the only thing that will happen to them is God will bless them. Are you still here? If you like, you can leave your children to go to school and don't bless them. It would be wrong for me not to bless myself, not to bless my wife, not to bless my children. So I say it every day. I drop my wife off at school. We do the same thing. This is God's word. They say, do it and I will bless you. So do it, and God will bless you. So if you, are, you come to me and say, I should pray for you, this is what I will do. I will put God's name on you, and my expectation is that God will bless you. So, well, that's one of the ways you can put things in the hands of Jesus. But you can engage with Jesus through his word. Find promises that are in his word that relates to your situation or the situation you want to change, and keep saying it. If the word says you should do something, 
do some. Sometimes they say, give, and it shall be given to you. Please give. I was saying last night to some people, if you give money, you will get money. If you give handshake, you get handshake. If you give a smile, you get a smile back. And if you give a slap, <laughs> you'll get it back. So what you don't want, don't give. What you want, give. Keep giving, and you'll get more back. All right, so the second thing is prayer. I hope I'm doing well with time. And you can engage with Jesus through prayer. First one is just take authority in the name of Jesus and speak to any situation that's before you. I mean, Daniel had to pray, keep praying and keep praying and keep praying until the angel brought an answer to his prayer. He didn't know the name of Jesus to mention, but we have the name of Jesus. And he says at the mention of his name, every knee shall bow. And every time we confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. If you have a problem and you want to give it to Jesus, in his name, command the problem. And when you do that, you have just handed over the problem to Jesus. At the mention of his name, every knee will bow. Knees in heaven, under the earth, and on this earth. I didn't know there were some things under the earth, but the Bible said there are some things there. Are you with me? There are, we know that there are things in heaven. We know that there are things on this earth. But do you believe that there are things under the earth as well? The Bible says so. If you don't believe it, now believe it. It's at the mention of the name of Jesus, things in heaven, on this earth, and under the earth, they will bow. So if you want to engage Jesus because you have a problem, then in his name, speak to the problem, then you have just handed over the problem to Jesus, and Jesus will deal with it. I hope it makes sense. <laughs> All right. And the other way to pray, to give things to Jesus, is to pray in tongues. It says to us in Romans 8, 26 to 27, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. You want to put a thing in the hands of Jesus? Pray in tongues. And he knows what the problem is. And Jesus will take over. 1 Corinthians 4, 14-2, it says, For anyone who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. This is so clear. Just speak to God. Speak to Jesus by praying in tongues. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Ephesians 6, 18. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Jude 20. So you want to hand over the things to Jesus, pray in tongues. You want to hand over the things to Jesus, pray in the name of Jesus. Terry Virgo says, prayer is our calling. That is what we are meant to be doing. We pray two times in the church. Monday evening, Friday evening. Monday evening, Gethsemane hour. Where we pray for three hours. Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane for three hours. And the reason I came up with that prayer meeting is that there are times you have issues you cannot 
tell anybody. Not because you don't want to tell them, but because they will not understand. Your wife will not understand. Your husband will not understand. Jesus and his disciples. His disciples were with him. But when he told them he was going to die, I'm not sure they understood him. He went to pray. By the time he came back, they were sleeping. If they knew Jesus was going to die, why would they be sleeping? They would have been praying. It's just that they cannot understand. He hasn't got words to use to explain exactly what is going to happen to him on the cross to them. So there are issues in your life you want to tell the elders. I mean, you can say it to some extent. They can try and understand it to some extent, but they cannot fully grasp the full impact of what is happening to you. But there's somebody who understands, and that person is Jesus. So there comes a time where you just have to go away on your own and engage with God through prayer. So we do Gethsemane our Monday evening from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. And all we do is we all come into the room, but everybody prays. You, you engage with Jesus, you talk to him. But it's hard to pray for three hours. So we pray for 45 minutes, we have worship for 15 minutes, pray for 45 minutes, have worship for 15 minutes, pray for 45 minutes, worship for 15 minutes, that's three hours. And so you are able to do it. I don't know how many times you people pray here. But maybe I should challenge you to pray more if you've not been doing this one. Then Friday evening we pray again, but that one is led by the elders, and we have different topics that we pray about. And one time when we were doing Gethsemane, I was actually arguing with God. There's something I didn't want in my life. I said, God, please take this thing away. God, please take this thing away. And he said to me, this is Gethsemane. I don't know if you understand. God said to me, this is Gethsemane. At Gethsemane, the will of God is done, and not you. So I just said, okay. If this is Gethsemane, I'll do it your way. Because Jesus said, Lord, if you can, let this cup pass. God said, no, this is Gethsemane. This is my will. It's done here. That is our business, brothers and sisters. That is our calling. Let's give more time to prayer and we'll see more things happen. Martin Luther says, as the business, as is the business of tailors to make clothes and cobblers to make shoes, so it's the business of Christians to pray. We want to do evangelism, we want to do Christian action, social works, we want to go into the nations. But please pray first. Engage with Jesus. That's why we came up with Devoted to Jesus Conference. Because Jesus called his disciples to himself. That they would be with him. He would teach them and send them out. First spend time. I mean, that, that, is, that is an order, brothers and sisters. It's a process. Spend time with Jesus first before you try to do anything for him. It's not the other way around. Don't be doing things for Jesus when you have not spent time with him. Spend time with him through prayer, through his word, and through worship, which is the last one I will talk about. So you can engage with Jesus through his word, through prayer, and through worship. That one is not going to be long, so I'm almost coming to the end. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, it says to us, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the worship time, I mean, worship is not only singing and it's just not a singing time. It's a whole life lived for God. 
But we need to understand that when we come together and we are singing, it is not just something we are doing. Like we, we have to have worship, and then we have to have the notices, and then we have the sermon time, and then we go home. But this is what God wants us to do. He said that is his will for us in Christ Jesus. So sometimes when I have problems, I can't even pray. I can't even read the Bible. I don't know about you. The only thing I can do is sing. And I hand over the problems to God. My favorite one is in Christ alone, my hope is found. So when I finish, I'll let the band to play that one. <laughs> in Christ alone, my hope is found. I just sit down and I keep singing it, singing it, and singing it until he speaks to me. That is what he wants us to do. Live our lives for him. Sing to him. Sing your problems away. It says to us in Hebrews 13, verse 15 to 16, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, does that mean all the time or some of the time? All the time. Offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And then he goes on, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. First worship before you even do something. All that is considered worship anyway. So brothers and sisters, you have a problem, and I'm sure you have a problem. This is how you can hand over your problem to Jesus. Because we have learned that in his hands, all things are possible. Engage with him through his word. Engage with him through prayer. Engage with him through singing to him. And it will be well with you. Amen. I feel like asking, is there any question? <laughs> Amen. So we're going to do all these three. I mean, they are, they are, I mean, you can do all three. They're not mutually exclusive. You, you can use his word. You can pray. You can sing. You can do all three. Are you with me? So may you just get the, the band to come and be singing that my song. And then I'll get us to do some faith declarations. And then we will pray. Amen.